0: This podcast is brought to you by the Shaftesbury Partnership, an organisation that seeks to train reformers, launch social ventures and help others do the same. And welcome to the Shaftesbury Podcast. We're here on the first day Uh, we've been allowed to meet outside again. So we're out in the garden. You'll uh, uh, hear nice relaxing sounds of uh, birds and trees rustling in the background. Uh, pleased that you could join us uh, either online or uh, or on YouTube and uh, we're here to uh, think a little bit about uh, the resilience series that we uh, launched just recently but perhaps for some people tuning in uh, they've not heard of the Shaftesbury Partnership for the first time so Nat love you just to give us a little bit uh, of an intro to what the Shaftesbury Partnership is what it does.
1: The Shaftesbury Partnership is uh, an organisation set up uh, over 10 years ago now to really pioneer approaches to tackling inequality and systemic problems in society. Uh, A lot of the early years, uh, Patrick, myself and I and others were involved in starting new ventures. They could be charities, businesses, things like the Challenge Network, which helped pioneer National Citizenship Service, uh, a number of other ventures too. And more recently, the focus has shifted to helping other organizations develop their capacity to launch new system-changing initiatives and also starting to train individuals to become social innovators as well.
0: Great. Now, the Resilience series is obviously thinking about resilience on a very big scale, but resilience is also a personal question. So, Patrick, let's start with
2: you. What's really tested your resilience in the last 12 months? Well, the simplest answer is my dad died. Um, Christmas 2019, my dad was in hospital and the whole of last year was dealing with elderly sick parents um, in the middle of COVID, which meant that everything that you might have thought about caring for elderly parents had to be rethought. Um, And um, that was several months ago, and it's still something that uh, affects me. Um, I wouldn't say on a daily basis, but every so often I realise something's missing from my life that was there for the previous 50 odd years. Mm.
0: Yep, so it affects that ability to to keep bouncing back. Mm -hmm. Nat, uh, what does the last year look like for you in Resilience?
1: Yeah, similar, we've been fairly fortunate, not not many uh, close family have passed away either because of Covid or not, but certainly within our circle we've had both people pass away from Covid as well as not actually being able to either get treatment or you know other a friend of mine uh had an accident in the mountains actually walking uh with his with his uh kids and and just hit his skull on tripped hit his skull and then he's gone you know not not that much older than me so obviously there's that um on top of that i think for me the family for many others that we know has been the shift to having to be working remotely um, home educating obviously which which we did before covid but we, we uh, certainly for many of our, our younger uh, our friends of younger kids that's been a particular challenge and just that i that that working out you know how do we have a routine now that you can't use the commute as your kind of way to mark shifting from from family and and, and sort of rest time to to work time that's been that's been a, a pretty full on thing
0: mm. yeah yeah i know for me uh, we had a a baby five months, six months ago, and um, so many of the COVID restrictions uh, just complicated that. Uh, And so that that ability to just cope with some of the the complications that were there uh, in pregnancy anyway for us uh, were just harder to cope with, harder to bounce back from because of the various things that were happening around COVID. And so uh, in that case, for me, it was a number of different things compounding
1: together that was really affecting my resilience. Well, having a having a first child is is yeah. already a big resilience challenge no, in yeah, life, isn't it? Yeah, so to have it absolutely. in a pandemic is uh, having
2: so, yeah, awesome. so, so both of us have had a major life event yeah. under lockdown. Yep. yep. And and you know life events we know something about. A lot of work at Cheshire Partnership has been around transitions in the life course and so on. Um, but whatever you knew about how to do it, all of the stuff that we we take for granted like how family will operate suddenly you can't do it so we're making it up as we go along
0: yeah absolutely now we've obviously mentioned uh, lockdown covid pandemic a number of times that's why uh, we're sat out in the garden and uh, uh, got our coats on and we're actually happy about it because uh, you know at least we can do this even if we can't be indoors Um, But uh, talk to us, Nat, a little bit about why now for the Resilience Series. There's an obvious theme because of of what's happened, but you were thinking and talking about resilience uh, before the pandemic as well.
1: Yeah, I I think, um, certainly in the Chelsea Partnership, we've often realised that a lot of the things that need fixing in the world are because we live in systems, in a world of systems, you know, whether that's the NHS, whether that's the way the traffic works, everything is a system. And sometimes we can so easily, certainly in politics or even in business, focus on the one thing that we see, the one challenge, you know, maybe the beds are filling up in hospitals or whatever it is, but we don't think about how it all connects together. And so, you know, resilience within systems, and Patrick's more of an expert on this, is is a really important concept. You imagine, you know, something like Kevlar or, or a fishing net can be so strong because of all the connections within that system Compared to something you know, like a piece of concrete that looks really hard, but if you shoot a bullet in a piece of concrete, you get a different result from shooting in Kevlar. And so, when the pandemic hit, it became really, really obvious that this was testing our resilience. This, is, this has been a really painful stress test period, if you like, where it feels very uncomfortable. You know, whether you're Kevlar or a piece of concrete, when you get shot, you know, it feels uncomfortable. I'm sure, um, but uh, where actually in one case you're you're getting stronger, you know there's this this word going around called antifragile things that like our immune system gets stronger the more you hit it in principle, um, so I think that's been a very important uh, idea. And then I wrote a lot in the early phases of the first lockdown about you know what the internet is actually a tool that was created to help us to be resilient. It was you know invented as part of defence, particularly in America. Initially, the the underlying technology behind the internet, um, so that should there be you know a nuclear war, we could all uh, get on. It wouldn't just it wouldn't just be if you hit one central place, you could take out the entire country. You could carry on, and you know for all of its challenges, going online this last year has enabled us to be resilient. Mm-hmm. We'd had a very very different experience if we couldn't still communicate and work with each other. But you know as as I've written in some articles, I think we we lost sight of the purpose of the internet and things like the internet a few years ago and we've all been very entertained and we've got Netflix and so on but actually we forgot oh we need to figure out how to do live music you know uh, on the internet together We've, we've got to figure out how to do some of the things that we haven't figured out yet properly and so the work isn't finished and so that led to the idea that we need to really focus on resilience and how do we rebuild in a way moving forwards, whether in terms of healthcare, in terms of the way we run things as governments, you know, the parliament itself has, has gone remote. But all of these things need, need to now be reevaluated uh, and rebuilt again, but with resilience built in from the start.
0: Mm. So we launched the Resilience Series, uh, which is the first in a number of uh, uh, events that we're going to be doing. Uh, nat spoke at that patrick i 'd love to uh, hear your thoughts on things that stuck out uh, things that uh, you thought were really noteworthy, uh, not only from what nat was saying but also uh, from some of the Q and A that we engaged with after that
2: well, I think the first thing that came across from the Q and a was um, w- what a great audience what a great group we had in mm-hmm. terms of the quality of the questions but also um, the way we think about systems is very conditioned on where we come from and i don't just mean like do you come from finland or do you come from morocco but am i an engineer you know an engineer's idea of what resilience looks like is very different from me as someone coming from financial markets right at the highest level we don't want the thing to fall over and we don't want it to cost too much but Engineers spend many years learning how to do that with buildings in financial markets We spent many years learning how to do that with um, uh, banking systems Then you get a situation Like a ship getting jammed in the Suez Canal which is disrupting financial markets And it requires an engineer to fix it and so time and again uh, I've been reflecting on it's the collision of worldview, it's a collision of different systems, and however adept we are at what we know, we're all having to figure out new sets of issues in how these things interact. Mm. Love it.
0: Now, any thoughts that stood out from you?
1: Yeah, I think just that recognition that we're, in, you know, we are in a new era. Even frankly, before the pandemic, things like Brexit, the, the rise of populism in politics, we're going to see potentially that again in Europe uh, this coming year. Uh, these things are all shocks to the system in you know, the system that we've had for 60 70 years post-war you know the Bretton Woods all of these systems that were built for a, a new start back then but arguably now in the age of the internet in the age of you know all kinds of threats to our countries to our infrastructure um, they're being stress tested <laughs> and challenged and they need they need building up doesn't mean we have to destroy them all and start again you know that would be that would be war would do that but it does mean we have to reevaluate, okay, is it right that everything gets decided in this one place, that all the command and control works from these places, or do we have to build parallel systems that work with those, other health, education, think about you know, all the challenges we've had around teaching through online uh, channels, uh, and the nuances, you know, how do we stay human in the midst of all of this, whether we build more decentralized ways of doing things, whether we stay with many of our command control systems that serve you well in a crisis, uh, but how do you do that in a way where, where we don't lose our, some of our freedoms, our humanity, our ability to kind of stay spontaneous? Uh, these are all questions that we need to kind of work through together, and we're really looking forward to the series being a way to explore in, in, in a deeper way each time. And then at the end to come up with a new kind of, we, we jokingly, half jokingly call it the robusta carta, you know, just like the Magna Carta was a, a way of documenting a, a new way of doing things. The king isn't going to be only that the only person in charge of everything similarly can we find a way to design this um, more resilient world uh, in a way that people can can participate and we're really excited to explore ways in which people can participate in that process Mm. so
0: I think some of the things that that stuck out to me was this the need to think so broadly and the need not to just think about the immediate, you know, right now, it seems there's, there's probably nobody who's thinking that resiliency against global pandemics is, is not a valid topic. But you probably don't have to go back that many years to, to, to hear in the news stories of, of governments that were trying to put something in place but struggled to get there. You know, how many people were talking about the Suez Canal uh, getting shut <laughs> yeah, off, which yeah. is suddenly now having a, a, an impact mm. around the world. And so what are the other things that we're not... Thinking about how do we think outside of the box, how do we think about the interconnected nature of all those things, I I think is really important. And we experimented on on the night with uh, a new technology called Swarm, uh, which uh, was brought to us by uh, our partners, Unanimous, who have this uh, technique and strategy for pooling the wisdom uh, that is within groups of people without a simple voting that that just gets us a a kind of a, a... perhaps a result that isn't quite as uh, clever as it could be I'd uh, love to hear uh, your thoughts on that that the swarm on the night actually thought that cyber uh, warfare uh, threats to uh, cyber security were, were some of the biggest things but uh, uh, love to hear Patrick your thoughts on the technology on our experience of using it uh, or anything like that.
2: Well <clears throat> when I was in the city um, we were one great big hive of decision making, whether that be within an individual team, within um, uh, an institution, or across the aggregate of institutions in the wholesale markets. And um, I've been in many, many, many investment meetings where you can see how people are not enjoying the process because it feels tired. So for me, what I loved about the swarm model was it was fresh. Um, uh, And I wish I could have had it 15, 20 years ago, um, when we're trying to invigorate a process where, sadly, you kind of know what someone's going to say. Um, and obviously we know about this in terms of political conflict or some of the other areas we know that because of people's ideology they will have a very strong view which is incompatible with mine so how on earth do we find some way through that isn't a power play and I think that um, the work that um, unanimous have done is a really interesting one and I look forward to testing it to until we break it, and yeah. then we can find out how it really works.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Nat, you uh, you love to go out and find these new technologies, these new tools. Love to
1: hear some of your thoughts on it. I think it's a bit of a game changer, uh, and I don't say that lightly. Um, you know, we, we've always known that the wisdom of crowds is something worth tapping into. Arguably, that's how democracy arose. Um, financial stock markets, in a way, tap that wisdom we're no. seeing right now. You know, but they, in many ways, they there's a there are flaws built into those systems of tapping in the wisdom you know um, financial markets you can see there's problems when there's momentum when there's false signals that get amplified um, similarly in democracy we've seen really dramatically the last few years that if you know you've got depending on the turnout thirty forty percent of people's view can lead to a president or prime minister or a referendum answer. What happens to everybody else who had the other view but you know before they were expected to basically shut up and not say anything. Now with social media and protesting and so on, people can can contest the answer in a, in a democratic process either through direct or indirect uh, democracy. Um, whereas if you go to the source, which I think Unanimous really have been doing, they, they've gone to, okay, where in nature is this happening? Actually, insects, particularly honeybees, you know, the decisions they make around which hive to go to, which is a life and death decision. If you get that wrong, when, you, when, when a bunch of you know bees have overgrown the hive, go out and find a new home from something like six options. If they get that wrong, they die in that winter. So they have to get it and they get it right about 85% of the time. Um, the, now the challenge is they communicate using this complex system of dancing, waggle dances. Humans, we don't know how to interpret things like how strongly do you feel about the answer? In fact, do you know anything about the answer? You know, a bunch of us are good and you know, I, I, sometimes I, I do this, we can, we can blag, <laughs> we can pretend we know, but we don't. And so all these signals and noise, is there when we make decisions together and what the technology the, the machine learning does is amplify the signals from the humans so that we get to more of a right answer uh, and it's been proven to be incredibly you know powerful and we look forward to using this in future events uh, through the resilience series in our own uh, you know different uh, spheres of work I think it's gonna really help make decision-making make it, and it's gonna make governance more resilient because 70 when they've done tests in the UK recently I think 60-70% of people feel much more satisfied yeah. with the end result, even if their vote didn't you know, get through compared to traditional referenda or representative democracy, where it's 30% if you're lucky, satisfaction. Now if, you're, if more, the majority are satisfied with the decision, even if the majority didn't, didn't originally vote for that choice, that's going to be a much more resilient choice. We're not going to be wanting to shoot it down the moment we've decided to, to go in a certain direction. And that's going to be important moving forwards. Mm.
0: So looking to the future then, Uh, we've had one event, Uh, we've now got a a, a number of events to come. We've already uh, hinted at the fact that Swarm and those concepts will be important to us because as we uh, think about those being useful for resilience in the future, we don't just wanna talk about them in the absence of those tools, we want them involved again. What would be some of uh, uh, your hopes, we'll come to
2: you first, Patrick, what would be some of your hopes uh, for the future of the series? So, first of all, I think, I'm really keen. Um, I think, Nat, at some point, you talked about being human. Um, um, the problem with algorithms, the problem with machine learning, is um, it feels very impersonal. You know, it feels very reductive. Um, and I think that the steps being made in the technology um, in recent years have have addressed that, but. As we creep out of our little individual holes after lockdown, we need to relearn what it is to be a social animal. And that's emotional, that's um, relational, it's, uh, obviously it's about being productive and effective. Um, so, so you can't do a resilient society in one session. But I would hope that by the end of the series, we'll have a really nice view of um, what resilient society looks like and how to get
1: there. That's great. Nat, some final words from you
0: on the hopes for the future yeah. of the series?
1: Well, you know, the great thing, as we can see, is a sunny day today. Uh, spring is here, summer is coming, but we also need to remember winter oh. is and autumn are beyond the summer, so things are cyclical, right? So both, um, it's going to be really fun and interesting to see as we emerge and have to relearn how to socialize and work in offices and so on to to be resilient in that context because there are certain skills we're having to, to re-educate ourselves mm. around and I think also to make the most of perhaps things we in the past took for granted you know when you get to see someone when you get to have a little bit of breakfast or a picnic um, those little analog social things are really important and perhaps we, we took them for granted and to enjoy and to learn how to make the most of those times when you maybe can see someone, you know, I'll be seeing my parents soon this week for the first time in a year, six months. Uh, It feels like a year. Um, So learning how to do human well, if that makes sense. That sounds so weird. But also not forgetting that we learn a bunch of things online, how do we continue? How do we make sure when we get locked down again, God forbid if that were to ever happen, we can still play music synchronously. There is technology people have worked on, but gave up on three, four years ago, which we need to go back to, to create that kind of live uh, experience uh, online. Um, So we mustn't just sort of go, well, we're coming out now, let's go back to normal. No, let's make the most of normal, whatever normal looks like. Let's also make sure we hone our ability to be resilient, whether we have the internet or whether we don't have the internet. Um, And let's make sure we're resistant to things like those cyber attacks, uh, resistant to some of the climate change events that are on their way, trade disruption, you know, there's any any number of things. We need to cherish the moments that we have together and prepare for whatever whatever, you know, will hit us and make sure that every time we get hit we'll come out stronger.
0: Well, that seems like a good place to end our conversation today. Uh, Nat, Patrick, been great to chat with you about resilience and the Resilience Series. Uh, You've been uh, listening to the Shaftesbury podcast. Uh, If you want to uh, find out more about where we are, then uh, find us on Twitter, find us on YouTube. Uh, Our website is spx.ventures. We look forward to uh, seeing you at one of our Resilience Series events in the very near future.